We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I was just rolling down the street, wasn't doing nothing. They gonna pull me over, man. I'm serious, man. I was just living ghetto fabulous. The cop gonna come up, pull behind me, had the lights and everything. Get out of the car, get out of the car. I ain't getting out the car. I ain't getting out the car. Yeah, I was like, I ain't getting out the car. He came up to the car, right? He said, get out the car, get out the car. I said, what you calling back up for, man? Everybody around here for this. Between me and you, I ain't even doing nothing. They got my license, my registration, everything. What's up now? What's up now? So then he's like, he's trying to talk to me. Then he started, stop playing, man. Then he started tripping. That's when I slapped him right out And I took his handcuffs right off of him. I put his handcuffs on him, put him in the back seat of my car. So I'm going to take your ass to jail because you the one tripping around here. You understand? They put their hands on you. Yeah, they tried to, man. They did one dude gonna come try to grab me from the back. That's how they called me. That's how they brought me in. What did they do? They, they, they tried to grab me like this, jack me up, man. Like, yeah, like that. Did they grab me? Yeah. Yeah. Man, get the hell out of me, man! Head movement! Head movement! Head movement! Head movement! Head up! Head up! Hands up! Move, move! Move, please! Move, 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 click! Click! Clinch! 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 No! 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 We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman, 
Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner promo code T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors once again. We are back for another week. We skipped a week. It was supposed to be The Corner Podcast Awards. It was hectic. I ended up having to go to Orlando last second um, to cover something for Adidas. Shout out to them. It was UFC 207 on a Friday, so media obligations were all pushed up. Uh, the ciphers, putting everything together, the editing, it's just a lot of work. I love doing it to make a great podcast, but um, time ran short, and sometimes you know stuff like that happens, life happens, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but we're going to bring everything together for you today in one podcast. We'll still tell you who are the nominees and the winners of the awards towards the end of this show, and we'll cover everything from this past week in wrestling and MMA but first, you know that I'm Kel Dansby here, of course, always with the esteemed Andreas Hale. Yeah, the esteemed. Follow what you want. <laughs> um, and we're here to give you guys a great show. So, the past two weeks, it's been crazy. Um, I ended up in Orlando. I had to watch the UFC fight from over there. I was supposed to cover it here in Vegas, but Adidas kind of gave me a, you know, one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities to cover a few bowl games. Complete access, sideline access, all this stuff. Tons of cool stuff. Um, showed up in Orlando. They have boxes of clothes waiting for me in the hotel room. One of those things. Like, yo, don't pack. We got everything. Um, so shout out to them. It was great. Great experience. Spent my week there. Andreas, I know you were swamped with UFC 207 stuff. Yeah, it was uh, 207. Yeah, we'll talk about 207. I mean, it was Christmas. It was New Year's. It was 207. It was busy. Yeah, your Grammy stuff. It, it's... A lot, people. We're doing a lot over here. Um, so I get back from Orlando. Uh, I was supposed to cover the Rose Bowl. Had, like, some car trouble. I was like, cool. Got someone else to cover it for me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my girl out for a nice dinner. I haven't been here in a couple days. I go to take my girl out to dinner downtown. We pick a spot. The spot was horrible. Um, this reminds me to give them a two-star rating on Yelp. If I remembered their name, I would tell you guys. So if you ever visited Vegas, you would never go there. Um, but I shall look that up after the show. So we're driving home from that, and I'm about to get on the freeway to head home, and there's a cop behind me. So I'm like, okay, whatever, it's all good. Just go to speed limit. So I'm going to speed limit, and the cop's still behind me, still behind me. I'm like, okay, I don't live close, so I move to middle lane. He pulls to the side of me, but he doesn't pull in front of me. And he looks into the car, and then he just tails back off, and he gets behind me. I'm like, all right, like, that's not a good sign, but I just keep driving, keep driving. And it goes on for a good 10, 12 miles. And then I'm just like, yo, at this point, I'm going to just get off the freeway. I get off the freeway, make a left. There's a, another little rinky-dink, not rinky-dink, but just local hotel casino called Boulder Station. And I pull into there. I was like, yo, maybe you just think I'm going to gamble, watch a movie. As soon as I pull into that parking lot, he throws his lights on. Um, long story short, after the rigmarole there... Um, I guess it took him 20 minutes to dig up like a warrant I had from like 2009. And I ended up going to jail for a traffic ticket that was worth about $400. Um, at the time, before warrants and fees, 
I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works, but they get they get you on that shit. Um, so they took me in. I ended up going to jail. It was a holiday weekend because it was New Year's. So I ended up having to spend three days in jail before seeing a judge. Um, yeah, so I'm fresh out, fresh out the bing. But you know about that street cred. Uh, yeah, you just brought street cred to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's horrible, I appreciate bro. it, Kel. Yeah, um, yeah, yo. So it was a, it was an interesting week. It goes from all expensive paid in Orlando to me being fed bologna sandwiches. Quick, Dude, okay. quick. You gotta you gotta tell me what this is like. I've never been. Um, I don't plan to go, so I need you to uh, give me the travel brochure for incarceration. Okay, so once again, I wasn't planning on making this pit stop, but I, I will. Uh, I will break it down. Um, so, I've been arrested. I guess handcuffed before. I've never been like in jail. I've made it. I think the furthest I made it was to the holding tank. Bailed right out. Got out like three hours later. Um, and that was off some stupid stuff too. When I was like 21. So this time is the first time I've been in jail, like going to the back. Like I had to wear like an orange jumpsuit. Um, jumpsuit was red. By the way, they take your draws. You got to wear like draws that they give you. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Um, not being, yeah, not being able to wear your own underwear is whack. So you get dressed out. There's like some interesting people in jail, by the way. Uh, this night, particularly, I guess they set up, like, traffic spots, and it's New Year's Eve, so I guess they had, like, a lot of checkpoints. So most mm-hmm. of the people were either in there for DUIs or traffic tickets they didn't know. So it was a bunch of normal people in my back area, but 20% were still kind of, like, criminals. Um, so we get back there. Uh, it's, it's what you picture Dale to be. You're in your cell for a good amount of the time. They let you out to eat. And then we had, like, three recreational periods where you come out. They had movies on. Um, I watched The Magnificent Seven, which I had never seen before. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> they showed The Magnificent Seven. The new one, not the old one. No, the new one. The brand-ass new one. Um, not bad. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't bad. Like, Denzel did his thing in that shit. I was really engaged in that movie. Um, so we watched that. Saw Sausage Party. Uh, they played Limitless. The, the movie days weren't... Movie recreational periods weren't bad uh but yeah it's it sucks being in jail because once again me just putting down my phone on a table is weird me not having my phone or any contact or knowing what's going on for three whole days is horrible there's no clocks in jail so you don't know what the time is which makes time go by slower um my cellmates weren't weirdos there was like a 19 year old kid from boulder city which is kind of the boondocks um here outside of vegas he was there because he had a DUI or something. He beat his case, so he left. Um, my other cellmate was like a 50... No, he had to be like 63-year-old dude who was getting deported back to Honduras. He had snuck over the border with a bunch of like other illegals and uh, drug smugglers and got caught. He wasn't smuggling drugs, but he came here to work in the kitchens because his wife had eight months to live and needed a heart transplant. And mm. with the transfer rate... And money, he only had to work here four months to be able to afford her heart surgery. And he got caught crossing the border. And he'd been locked up for 21 days, waiting to get deported back to Honduras. And he was like, yo, I just want to go home and see my wife. He was like, at this point, they they transferred him to three different jails by the time he was in the one I was at. And he was like, I just want to get home to see her. Like, at this point, I don't got the money. I know she's going to die in eight months. I just want to spend time with her. It was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And he only spoke Spanish, so I spoke to him in Spanish the whole time. 
My other cellmate was like, you speak Spanish? And as soon as the guy found out, we talked in Spanish. He told me the whole situation. He started crying. I had to put my hand on his knee. It was sad because he reminds me a lot of my grandpa. Um, if you guys are Spanish, you got like the little wavy hair, the gray in the hair and everything. And he just broke down crying. It was like some real sad shit. So he got out the night before I got out and hopefully they deployed him right away and then transfer him to a different jail. I hope that he gets to see his wife. Like, honestly, um, outside of that though, the other personalities, there's, there's a million things. Everything you could imagine is like a male version of orange is the new black. It's not the wire. Cause I wasn't in prison, but it was, it was like, it's, it's some funny characters. It was like a male version of Crazy Eyes. The guy had the mean twitch. And I was just like, yo, I'm not standing next to that dude. Because at any moment, he might snap. Um, but we were, cla- like, you kind of find, like, a click anywhere. And you just kind of, like, chill. And I was friendly with everyone. Everyone was cool with me. Um, it was like, you know, the black people were in jail all the time and mad comfortable. And they were just cracking jokes. Um, I was dying. They were making fun of that kid. There was a 19-year-old kid with the Obadell Beckham mohawk. Who was like, oh, okay, I was like, yo, everyone just thought he was in there for traffics. Nah, he uh he choked his female roommate until she passed out because she was trying to steal his Pokemon cards. Amazing. I shit you not. And he got a felony, uh a felony charge for strangulation. Um wow. so he's still in there. He's in there for a long haul. 19-year-old kid. He was scared to death. His exact quote when he came in is, I just don't want to be someone's bitch. And they're like, yo, you're in jail, not prison, my man. <laughs> um, but he barely came out like his little cell unit. He'd like peek his head out, like look around twice and then peek back in. Oh man, were they roasting him? Roasting him. They're like, what would he have done if it was Uno cards? Like if she threw down the draw four on him. Oh my god. Yo, shit was hilarious. So most of the time when you're out of the cell, it's just, you know, people bagging on other people. That was funny. Chopping up life stories. Everyone it's not cliche. People ask, what are you in here for? All the damn time. And, uh, yeah, time just passed really slow. So I had three days in the clink. And it's not good. Peeing in front of other people is the most awkward thing in the world. Because there, no, there is no separation. So you got to use the toilet in any form or fashion. It is in front of your cellmates. And when you're in the holding tank, it's a toilet in the middle of the room. And you got to use that toilet in front of 20 random people. Some drunk, some criminals, like hardcore prison time. I did meet a very nice, uh, I guess, Mexican man who had like eight felonies and his tattooed face all over. It said 14th Street on his cheek. It's from somewhere in, in L.A. He was very nice, though, for being a felon. That is, that, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Sounds man. like you had a hell of a weekend. I did. I, I, to pass the time, I wrote and I like, documented everything I saw and like, my emotions and just stuff happening around me. Talked about the people around me. So I have like six pages worth of shit that just happened and i just wrote it all down because it passed the time dang i should have baked you a cake to break you out with a nail file <laughs> yo it would it would have helped man it would have helped uh so yeah three days in jail that was weird um but i'm out I'm feeling fresh took five showers uh i got roberto's super nachos first thing out the clink um yeah man i'm feeling i'm feeling good i'm feeling refreshed i, I had a vacation and then uh a staycation yeah, man, the world has changed so much since you got out, man. It's, I feel it, man. It's a different I world. It. I feel it. I, I'm, I came home. I don't even know what to do with myself. But right now, I feel like Walter White. I'm ready to take over. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my street cred. I'm assuming you've been busy. No, yeah, I haven't done anything like you. I mean, I enjoyed my holiday and covered Ronda Rousey getting her ass kicked. 
Uh, that's about the gist of it. Well, listen, you covered the only person that had a worse week than me. Yeah. Because Rhonda, let's get right into that. She, she got molly whopped. Again. 40 some odd seconds. Come on. Like, did you ever see that coming? All possible scenarios. And I think we both picked Rhonda. But did you, and we knew she had a chance that she could lose and never be the same. But did you ever see this coming? Um, well, I, the thing I said, cause I, yes, I did pick Ronda because I thought she'd come out with a different strategy. But I said, I think the last show, and I've said in every interview that I've done where people have asked me, I said, we'll know everything we need to know 30 seconds into this fight. The fight lasted 48 seconds. You were spot on. We knew everything we, knew, we needed to know. In 10 Ronda's, seconds, you knew it. Yeah, you knew. I mean, okay. So uh, there's a couple things. The arena atmosphere was pretty electric. I was surprised at, at it felt more like a One Direction and Justin Bieber concert than it did a fight because there were so many screaming young women and high-pitched voices. Uh, I was surprised. I mean, she brought them out. You know, she's really a pop culture phenomenon. And just seeing her, you know, the Joan Jett uh, walk to the cage, that was impressive. You know, you forget how big of a deal Ronda Rousey is. Um, the announcements, you know, every it was electric in there. But then, you know, the, the fight starts. And the moment that I saw Ronda try to counter Amanda's uh, right hand and try to go over the top, I literally, from press row, screamed, she's fucked. That's, that's <laughs> the, the, the first thing I said, I was like, she's fucked. Because she's not trying to close the distance and grab her. She's trying to strike. And it was over. From that moment, I knew it was over. And she got, I mean, they, uh, Amanda just pretty much doused her in gasoline to set her on fire. She destroyed her. Uh and, and the hush that came over the arena, there were people crying. Yo, it was ridiculous. I thought you were going to mention the literal hush done by Amanda to Edmund. Like, Shh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shut, shut his ass up. That's how you do it. That's how you play the villain. That's how you make yourself a star. The, the lion mask, the hush. Woo. Yeah, I mean, she needed, at that point, because, I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard the, the audio from uh, Cage side now of Edmund with a Darth Vader yell, no. If they haven't. I mean, they they definitely have because, you know, we played at the beginning of the show. It will be in the intro. Um, so, yeah, yeah, they, they're going to hear it. Uh, but it was just so brutally one-sided. And it just, it, it's, Ronda is essentially the Hoist Gracie of the women's division where the game is pretty much passed her by. You know, what she got away with before, which I think she still could beat 80% of the women in her division. However, she has to evolve. And instead of Edmund teaching her how to become a striker, you need to teach somebody to strike to take down, a strike to close distance, a strike to not get knocked out. It's, this is not a means of knocking anybody out. She's just got a horrible coach. She needs to go to a new team. I've so always that, said that she is great on the ground, but she has no takedowns. Like a, a judo throw is great, but it's not MMA. Because you have to get hip to hip to do a judo throw. Like, no one's ever taught her a single leg, a double leg. Like, that's how you knew in the long run Ronda was asked out. Because she doesn't have MMA skills. She has no wrestling, no boxing, no kickboxing. You're going to run into some trouble. Yeah. And I mean, that wasn't just it. She just got, she got wore out. Everybody saw it. The memes went up. Um, what I didn't like was that everybody called her a fraud and they said the UFC had protected her. And, and that's pretty ridiculous. And uh, there may be some people listening to the show that are going to agree. Like, yeah, Ronda was protected by the UFC. The only person that Ronda didn't fight was Cyborg. Ronda fought everybody they put in front of her. And she destroyed everybody they put in front of her. And then people say, well, she didn't fight Amanda. Well, Amanda lost to Casagano. She got knocked out by Casagano, who Ronda beat in, what, 13 seconds? Yep. Uh, Amanda also lost to Julia Budd. 
Amanda Austin's lost to Sarah, Sarah DLL. Amanda's lost to people that Ronda has finished in less than less than Two a minute. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. She really so, has. So for anybody to say that Ronda was, you know, being babied and protected and, you know, all of that, that's ridiculous. Now, there were people that was like, well, white privilege got her to the top. All right, we're not gonna I'm not gonna do all that. <laughs> like I'm not gonna like Ronda earned her spot. Like she didn't just show up in the UFC armbar people. She did her thing in strike force. Um and she became a pop culture phenomenon. You know, I know there's people, you know, the, the year that she won Sportswoman of the Year over Serena Williams, obviously the people are going to feel a certain way about that, and I understand that. But let's be real here. We've never seen anything like Ronda Rousey. If it wasn't for Ronda, women wouldn't even be in the UFC. Correct. So She was the biggest thing in fighting since Tyson. Yeah, I mean, she was huge. Phenomenon-wise. She was the biggest phenomenon in boxing since Tyson. Yeah. In, like in fighting since Tyson. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, like Floyd Mayweather was a, you know, he was brilliant to, to a brilliant boxer, but nobody liked to watch him box. Ronda was something like must see television. Everybody wanted to see what Ronda was going to do, especially, you know, the best career fight, the Casagano fight, the uh, Alexis Davis fight. You look at these fights and you were like, oh, my God, like, you know, the question is, can she beat Floyd Mayweather? The question is about Cyborg. You know, granted, it was a lot of hyperbole, but. She earned her keep. She got to where she did. It wasn't by accident. Just the game is caught up with her. She's been figured out. You know, it's like King Hippo and goddamn Mike Tyson's punch out. Once you figure out the bandages on the belly, you know how to beat her. And that's it. Will she ever come back? I don't know. You know, I, I, if I was her, the only way you could possibly consider coming back is going to another gym that teaches you how to wrestle. Maybe a team alpha male or maybe Greg Jackson. So you, you can't train pretty much by yourself anymore you got to train with other killers exactly the game has evolved too much to think that you can just get away with that because it's not going to happen at, at all you you have to be well-rounded um you know training with holly Holm every day at, at jackson's would be great for her amazing um alpha male i'm not sure if they have still sparring partners for her but the guys are so small that she can really spar with the guys you know, I mean, spar, you know, at least roll with a Cody Garbrandt, um, yeah. you know, guys who are your size, you know, um, you go train, train a TriStar, you know, get with Phil Nurse. I mean, you've got to train with somebody. Elevation that, would be great. Yeah. Elevation yeah. would be and, a great camp for her to work on footwork. I mean, and, and dude. skilled boxing and striking. And look what it did for Dillashaw, who could always, to my opinion, he always was a good, aggressive fighter. But they taught him defensive footwork. He didn't get touched in that fight. Yeah, well, with Linegar. Yeah, with Linegar, we'll which we'll talk about that. But man, has he become a great defensive fighter in the footwork and everything. And I know, you know, Elevation just lost a wrestling coach, but I'm sure someone else is stepping right up into that position. I mean, pretty much what we're saying is anybody with Edmund, anybody with Edmund. <laughs> I mean, that's you, you know, a lot of people question Ronda's mind state. Which I understand. She hid from the media. I mean, people say it backfired because that wasn't the problem. It kind of was a problem, but it wasn't. Um, you know, her suicide and all, like people talk about, I, I felt like a lot of it was overblown. She got beat. She doesn't know how to handle a loss. It's, it is what it is. But that's not the problem. The problem is that she's clearly not properly trained. Now, with, with that coupled with the way that she takes a loss, it's hard for me to see her getting back in the octagon. Because she don't really need this shit anymore. She made $3 million losing to Emmanuel Nunez in 48 seconds. Guaranteed, before pay-per-view points. Yeah, so she clean, She doesn't need this anymore. Granted, losing in the fashion that she did 
pretty much strips away a majority of those Hollywood, you know, opportunities that were put in front of her. Even Vince McMahon's looking at her like, well, what do I need you for now? You got to, you know, I, I need you to watch the stench of you getting dragged by Amanda Nunez. It's going to be hard to bring you in as a killer. That, that That's the problem. But she's made so much money. She's, I mean, she's set. She doesn't really need this. And, and in a couple of years, people are going to say, all right, they're going to forget about it and they're going to be able to move on. So I don't know if, if Ronda should fight again. Uh, me personally, I think maybe she should stay away. Maybe this was it. The game has passed you by. Um, yeah, I, I, I think she's going to retire and stay away because it takes a lot to be able to humble yourself and drop back down to fighting for a title shot. I, Ronda has, hasn't had to do that, what, since 2012? She had her title shot three fights into her career, I believe. Initially, yeah, when she fought Misha. Force. Yeah, like, it was three fights into her career. When was the last time she had to chase someone? No, she hasn't. She her, doesn't know what that means. No, her, her first UFC appearance was a title shot. Um, this one, you, you get knocked out, and coming off a loss, you get an immediate title shot. It takes a lot to humble yourself, to be a... I don't know, a BJ Penn, a Frankie Edgar, a, a guy like Uriah Faber, who are champion, championship quality fighters, take an L in a big fight or in a title fight and say, you know what, I don't need an immediate shot. Let me go down here and prove I can still beat up on six through, you know, or three through six in the division and wait two fights, fight two people, get my confidence back, test some stuff out, make sure I'm right and then try again. That's a long path. Um, man, even Dominic Cruz had to do that coming back from injury. When his mind wasn't right, he took a fight. One in, what, two minutes? And he destroyed K. Mitsugaki. Mitsugaki. And then everyone, and then he was like, okay, no, I got this. Now I'm ready for my title fight. Ronda wasn't given that buffer. You gave her the number one woman in the world after a 13-month lay- layoff. I'm not going to say it was unfair to Ronda, and they made a lot of money. But if she wants to really continue to fight, she has to do it the right way. And she has to go down and fight someone, you know, maybe ranked fifth in the division, fourth in the division. See if she can still beat those people. Gain that confidence back. Just get better a little bit at a time again and work her way back up to the title picture. I I don't know if she's that competitor anymore. I don't think the fire is there. Yeah. Again, you know, some certain people, when they're beat, they never recover. Um, and then it's even worse when they keep fighting. You look at Roy Jones, for instance. After oh, he got God. knocked out by Antonio Tarver, it was, it was all downhill from there. His athleticism betrayed him. He never learned the fundamentals of, of boxing. He, he relied purely on his athletic ability. Not to say he didn't know the fundamentals. He didn't rely on them. Like Floyd Mayweather is a great athlete, but he, was, he used his fundamentals to stay pretty much in pristine condition his entire career. Ronda's never learned the, the true fundamentals of MMA. So... For her to continue, that she's got to start from ground zero. Because you're telling she's, me those punches, you telling me those Edmund punches where it loops over and you curve your wrist at the end aren't fundamentally oh, sound. Yeah. It's just he's a joke of a coach, and, and it's like I don't know the man personally, but you look at what he's taught her, and you go back and you watch. We knew, like I knew she was a bad striker in, especially in the second fight with Misha Tate. She got hit a lot, oh, yeah. and she punches with her chin straight up in the air. I assumed heading into the Nunez fight. That Ronda wouldn't tighten up the striking in the sense that she was going to strike with her, but she was going to she was going to know how to get out of the way of a punch, cut an angle, and get a takedown. Oh, did you see yeah. how her legs her legs were permanently set in cement, and she has to hop everywhere. 
She hops backwards, hops to the side, but both her feet move at the exact same time. Like she's teleporting. Like she can't independently move one foot to one side. And like, you know, there's no Dominic Cruz fancy footwork movement, like no lateral movement to speak of whatsoever. Right. I mean, it was rough. I don't know what, you know, and obviously there, there's, there is the other story that could say, well, Edmund could have taught her well and Ronda didn't oblige. But as a coach, you should know your fighter. And you should know what your fighter can and can't do when the bell rings or the cage door closes. Edmund, for whatever reason, has been, you know, in every every video montage we've seen is Ronda hitting pads. Why are you hitting pads? That's not what's important. That, that doesn't matter anymore. You can't strike with a striker. You can't do it. Nope. It's, I, I would have been more impressed to see her learning how to shoot for a single leg or a double leg. Yeah, I mean, any, I mean, dude. But Edmund doesn't coach wrestling. Once again, exactly. you can't just have one coach. Even if you want Edmund to be your striking coach, and for any reason in this world you believe that he's world-class striking coach, then at least get a world-class jujitsu coach and wrestling coach. You got the funds. Just round out your game. Go, do, go get a Muay Thai coach to go along with Edmund. So now you can really clinch and get some knees in there and learn how to put someone against the cage and then land takedowns from there. Go get those people to accompany your trash-ass coach. So maybe <laughs> you can just level up a bit. She said, no, I'm sticking with one guy who knows one thing, and he's pretty damn bad at that one thing. Yeah, loyalty is a bitch. Man. It's pretty much what did Ronda. Being loyal to the wrong individual. Her mother said to get away from Edmund a couple a years ago. ago. Yeah, so it's like... You don't listen, and you know your mother was right, dude. It's, it's this is it. This is this is rap city for you. Um, let's let's talk about the other fight on the card. Cody Garbrandt putting together a virtuoso performance against Dominic Cruz. All right, anybody that picked Cody Garbrandt winning, I applaud you. But none of you picked Cody Garbrandt winning by a unanimous decision. Well, I'll take your minor applause because I knew Cody was going to win. I said it. I mean, shit, since early last summer. Did you see him winning like this? Hell no, I didn't see him winning like this. You know I only saw him winning by knockout. Big, yeah, it's a big difference. And, and picking Cody Garbrandt to win by knockout, I I, did, I thought it was crazy. But because I, Dominic Cruz doesn't get knocked out. But to be pretty much dom, not dominant, it was competitive. But, dude. Towards Garbrandt, the end, it got dominant. Yeah, towards the end, it was it was just, it was just one-sided. Yeah, it, it was one side. It was in the fourth, right? It was three knockdowns in the fourth, or yeah, yeah. It was potentially a ten eight round because Garbrandt looks so good. I mean, I man, that's that's one of those performances, man. That's one of those performances. I thought Dominic Cruz was completely into Cody's head and was going to co- cause him to blow his load two minutes into the fight. That didn't happen. Cody Garbrandt was measured, poised, used his amateur boxing ability, which I question because. You know, the people are like, oh, his amateur boxing record is like 100 and no. Well, who cares? I don't know who he fought. Yeah. But what he <laughs> what he did in this fight was he completely neutralized Dominic Cruz. Um, I asked TJ Dillashaw after the fight what he thought of Cruz's performance, and I asked him if that was the Dominic Cruz he fought. TJ was like, no, he looked slower. He looked like something's wrong with him. And from the outset, I thought there was something wrong with Dominic Cruz. I don't know if he's injured, but he looked a lot slower. And maybe that's just in direct comparison to watching what TJ Dillashaw did against John Lineker in the fight previously. But Cruz looked a lot slower in this fight. I was surprised at how slow he looked. And maybe it was Cody Garbrandt. I don't know. You're looking at TJ Dillashaw versus John Lineker, who isn't the fastest fighter. He's strong, but he isn't quick like these other guys that we're mentioning. And then you're comparing that to Dominic Cruz, who is notoriously fast, 
versus someone who just so happens to be faster than him. So it's like watching a football game. Oregon looks amazingly fast when they play Stanford because it's a slower, stronger team. But when you put them up against another team who's incredibly fast, you're just like, oh, okay. Well, their speed is just like, whatever. They go play, you know, an SEC team. They're just like, oh, all that Oregon speed, that shit goes out the window. Why are they scoring 20 points? And that's what Dominic Cruz ran into. He ran into, I'm faster than a lot of people in this division. Cody Garbrandt is faster than me. And he was fast yeah. enough to get inside of his guard at will to counter. And Cody was smart, too. He didn't go for the huge knockouts. He touched him in the right places. It was precise. He didn't follow him to the ground. He stood there. He waited to get up. He's like, no, if, if I happen to knock you out, then fine. But I'm going to touch you, and you're going to fall several times. And people are going to know it's just as bad as a knockout. Yeah, I mean, that was that was an unbelievable performance. And it puts him in contention for fighter of the year. That that kind of a performance where you go from unranked to world champion in the calendar year, that's ridiculous. You know, I, and I said I said when I first saw Cody Garbrandt fight that I thought he was going to be a superstar. He had all the makers of the superstar. But then, you know, I, I felt like they were pushing him too fast. And I felt like he needed to fight Dillashaw before he fighted, fought Dominic Cruz. I felt like that was necessary. But clearly, credit to Joe Silva and credit to the UFC for seeing this is that he didn't, just like Conor McGregor, who two guys with neck tattoos are eerily similar in <laughs> very many ways, but, you know, they get they get the rocket strapped to their back and then they make good on it. You know, they, they go to the top and they, you know, Cody Garbrandt knocked off a guy who I said was the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter before Conor McGregor won two titles, and Conor McGregor knocked the guy, the guy who a lot of people thought was the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in 13 seconds. So... The UFC is a crazy place right now, but uh, MMA is a crazy place because you're always going to lose. You're always going to go down sooner or later. It happens. Yeah, it, it definitely happens. But I, I just didn't see Cody Garbrandt, especially with all the back and forth. I just thought Cody was going to have a hard time with Dominic's movement, and Dominic was going to put together one of those performances. I was absolutely wrong. Credit to Cody Garbrandt. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, he wants a money fight. Uh, he, he wants, he, he, it's funny cause he's like, uh, yeah, TJ, you can kind of wait. I want to fight Jose Aldo or Conor McGregor or give Dominic Cruz a rematch. And I, if I'm Dillish, I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> like, fuck that shit. You fighting me, bitch. Yeah. TJ's, no, TJ's TJ earned that spot. Yeah. TJ can't move over again. Right. Uh, you never know. But I mean, it's the UFC. You, you never know with WME IMG taking over Joe Silva being out the door. Um, shit, Mike Goldberg out the door. It's, it's a, the UFC is changing. There is a way that they can push Dillashaw out of the way. And I've had, I asked Dillashaw, and he basically told me if he got pushed over again, he'd go to another division. He can't just sit here and keep waiting for a title shot. Um, but there's such a thick narrative with two you know guys who both worked the team alpha male trained there um, that you can make this interesting. So, and, and I think you know to put Cody in there with Conor McGregor now is a little too soon. I think uh, you know especially the weight. Dis uh, discrepancy um you know you gotta Cody's still gotta earn his strikes yes he beat Dominic Cruz but he's gotta beat TJ Dillashaw that is the man at Bantamweight um and let, let's actually talk about his performance what do you think of him versus Lineker um I, I thought that he beat Lineker I thought you know technically he's just sound um Lineker's punching power is always the key though right can can Lineker catch up to it but I, I thought TJ was more impressive than I could even imagine in that fight. Because he outclassed Lineker. Like, for fighting another top five guy, TJ just 
he put the stamp on it. He's like, no, I'm the real deal. He looked good. Yeah, I mean, he looked good enough to make me think, like, yo, if he would have got the rematch with Cruz instead of Garbrandt, I think he might have beat Cruz. He might have. And you know what's like, interesting? He's the second best guy in the division right now. And yeah. that's the only, only thing that separates him and Garbrandt, by the way, is Garbrandt's one-punch knockout power. So if, despite taking titles out of it, I still think Cody's the best fighter in that division because he has a tool that at 135, no one else has. Yeah. The interesting thing about, how, you know, the Dillashaw and the, the cycle of how things work is uh, Dillashaw beat John Lineker handily. Lineker had a hard time, but he beat John Dotson. John Dotson is the last person, well, not the last person, the person before Rafael, Rafael Sunsau that beat TJ Dillashaw. It's funny how MMA math works because it never works. <laughs> um, but Dillashaw looks so good. Uh, yeah, I, I, him against Garbrandt is a fight I just have to see because what, what Dillashaw has basically done is he's appropriated Dominic Cruz's style, made it his own, but he's added a few things. Like he changed his levels well. Um, he always keeps his right or left hand high to keep your, your eye level following his hands. And then he strikes and he knows how to get out of the way. And his takedowns are great. Um, you know, there was a, there, several times he used a single leg trip on, on, the, on, the, on the takedown that just was beautiful against Lineker. I'd just love to see how Cody could deal with that. But, you and know, Cruz was, didn't shoot as much as I thought he would against Cody. That, yeah, that, it was a lot of things that I saw yeah. out of Cruz that I was like, this is a. This is. I don't know. I'm not going to say. Uh, it, maybe he was just off maybe cody just had his number but he just didn't look like the dominic cruz we're used to seeing and for whatever reason it just i don't know what cruz does after this you know I, I, where does he go does he does he fight i mean brian Carraway just got pulled out of his fight so um he's injured so it's like well who does cruz fight next that's an interesting question well he's not going to stop fighting we know no, that um lineker losing in the manner he did it's like uh, that loses some luster um we'll, we'll have to see we'll have to see if you know, there's without the title, it's hard to say you want to see him in, in Mighty Mouse again, but why not, right? Nah, I, I mean, I don't think Mighty Mouse wants to do that. For what? Mighty Mouse, I mean, just because it's a, a bigger fight for Mighty Mouse than any title fight he can have. But he wants to break the record. So I understand yeah. his mindset. Cool, whatever. So that's not going to be done. But to me, it'd be the best fight for Dominic Cruz to be next because at least he'd fight someone championship quality. Yeah, it's a much better fight for Cruz than it is for Mighty Mouse at this point. Yeah, it's just I I don't know who's left in the division to really propel him into, okay, I need another title shot. Like, are these three guys just going to keep revolving around the top of the division? Who else is going to break in? Does Cruz get a Thomas Almeida? No. I mean, the only person that I could see. That'd be a great matchup, though. Yeah, I'd rather see him fight John Dodson. I like like that. I like this, and even though Dotson's way down on the Bantamweight rankings, I just think they match up pretty pretty well. Um, but I, you know, Caraway, Asuncao, uh, Sterling, uh, Almeida, like I don't see any of those guys being particularly interesting for a Dominic Cruz. The only other way I can see this going is if Cody, for some reason, doesn't take a fight because he says he wants to be out till early late spring, or early summer. Is that maybe Cruz fights Dillashaw? But Dillashaw's not going to sit there and wait. He's not going to wait for another fight to get a title shot. And he's not going to risk it at this point. No, there's no reason to. Um, we'll see. Money talks. Cody can be a star. We've seen crazier things happen. And there's no saying who's going to be healthy and who's not going to be healthy, right? So nah, Cruz, Cruz is cushy. He has the, the desk job. 
he can stay in shape and just wait? What if one of those two pulls out last second when they are scheduled to fight? Um, right. I, don't, I don't think Co- Cody's dropped a, a fight yet. But when you're champion, and it's a whole different thing. You never know when people get injured. So if for any reason Garbrandt gets injured, then, you know, an interim title is created for him versus Dillashaw too. Or yeah, vice versa. You know, Dillashaw drops out and he gets his title rematch immediately. So I think that might be the way that he goes. Just sit and wait, man. Interim titles have been handed out like candy. Sit and wait. Yeah, and that's the other thing. we I mean, we talked to Dan about, you know, Jose Aldo was really going to get an interim lightweight title shot uh, against uh, Khabib. Like that, and Khabib's, and according to Dana, Khabib's dad is the one who said that fight's not going to happen. And then we have Khabib and Tony Ferguson, and Tony saying he's not going to take the fight unless he gets paid more. It's, it's a mess right now. Like you have Damian Myers. Never, I never understand, by the way. Uh, what, the pay thing? Yeah, like in Ferguson's case specifically. It's, well, yeah. you're not getting paid as much as Khabib for this fight. Okay. But if you think you can beat Khabib, you're holding a lottery ticket after that because the Conor McGregor fight is inking you a million dollars. Well, see, so I don't, I don't care. Take this fight on the cheap and get your million dollars. Reschedule. Renegotiate after. I don't understand. Uh, you signed a contract and, and you got to play out your contract. And whatever your contract is, is that's what it is. You know, if you're getting paid too little, I mean, that's kind of your fault, right? I mean, fight out your contract and earn your keep. And I, I don't understand that with Tony Ferguson. Whatever his contract says, if he wants more to fight Khabib, I need an explanation for this. Why but do you want more? All UFC contracts now are graded on two scales. It's pre-McGregor, post-McGregor. And that's it. And if you sign your contract pre-McGregor, you're getting screwed. As far as, you know, 2016 McGregor, he set the salary level so high now that everyone is saying, okay, I just want a tenth of what this guy makes. Which is three hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, and y'all not like, getting that because Demetrius Johnson gets three fifty for a title fight. So, so you're not getting that kind I'm of. I'm just money. saying, but the, Connor has set it to a whole new stratosphere now, where they look at it and they're saying, "I'm fighting on a 60-60? That's four percent, five percent of a Connor contract. If that, that we're in the lower percentages at that point, you're like two percent of a McGregor guaranteed money. I'm fighting at 2% of the guy in my division who's two spots ahead of me? No way. So it's all pre-McGregor, post-McGregor. Yeah. Unfortunately, anybody who thinks they're going to get Conor McGregor money is ridiculous right now. If you um, break down the numbers, that's 2%. You're on a 60, yeah. a 60 and 60. You're guaranteed 60000 to Conor's $3 million to fight. You are at 2% of his weight. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's what the fighter union is supposed to do. But you see how quickly those guys bailed on that shit. So, you know, um, <laughs> it's not going anywhere. No. Nah. Okay, so we don't have to wrap the whole UFC 207 card. It had good fights. Um, one card, just give me one thing that stuck out to you outside of the fights we already recapped. Oh, it was just the atmosphere. I mean, it was really, they had standing room only at, uh, at the, at the uh, T-Mobile. Um, like I said, the, 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 the crowd there was a very distinctly different crowd than i've dealt with at other fights we you know it's usually the 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 dudes and you know when connor fights it's the irish or when the brazilian it's the brazilians no this was like a justin bieber concert it was i've never seen anything like it no definitely i mean new year's eve helped so all the partiers were like hey we're partying and we could watch ronda rousey the day before why not 
Yeah. I saw a lot of people like that, you know, just people you'd never think is into MMA. Like, yeah, we're coming in, we're going to watch Ronda and then hit the strip the next day. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's why not? Why not see see somebody that's, uh, like I said, a pop culture phenomenon? Yeah. Well, and it's over now. Yeah. Um, my thing is, is that Johnny Hendricks is a rat. Oh, man. That, um, that's, I almost that's what forgot I left. about that. Yeah. I left feeling like this is it for Johnny Hendricks. I understand he said he's going to move up. But what is he going to do at 185? He's tiny. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he would look small next to Neil. Um, Johnny can't make weight. And if anybody saw the interview that I did with Johnny Hendricks, me and Ariel Hawani and a couple other journalists, uh, we talked about Johnny cutting weight. And, uh, you know, he couldn't sit down. He was annoyed. His mouth was dry. He can't make weight, dude. He can't make welterweight anymore. His fall from grace has been ridiculous. Well, he's not a middleweight. No, he's, he's not a middleweight. limbo. Yeah, he needs a new weight class. He needs a weight class just for him. <laughs> All catch weights. He needs to go to Ryzen and, and fight in one of their weird, you know, <laughs> those weird open matchups. weight challenge. <laughs> yeah, like the Ryzen weight challenge and uh, like Krokop, be juice to the gills and nobody cares. Like you know, anybody who watched the Ryzen card this weekend, I've only watched highlights of it. That shit was ridiculous. But anyway, I feel bad for King Mo. Uh, yeah, um, I texted him after he lost, and he, you know, he replied, "I thought I had him." I mean, I I could see it. I can see why he thought, but it's a whole different world, man. He he looked good the past year, I'd say. King Mo looked like, you know, he was coming back up. But when you truly fight damn near with no rules, it levels a playing field. Yeah, that rising card was a mess. Um, But, you know, it's it's, it's a car accident. Must see television in the car accident form, so... MMA, what a wild week. Uh, even the World Series had a pretty crazy weekend. So there's a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of shit going on. But Ronda Rousey, obviously, is what everybody was watching. Stole the show. Um, all right, we're going to go to break. We got to come back. We got to talk wrestling. There's not too much boxing to talk about, if any. So we're going to go into wrestling. It was a huge, huge week for wrestling. Uh, if you guys aren't New Japan fans, we're going to make you New Japan friends right after the break. So stay tuned. Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we can give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right, if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like. And then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. Quick, short break. Once again, thanks for sticking with us. We got to start off this wrestling segment, not with WWE, not with NXT, not even with ROH, because it's Wrestle Kingdom time around here. Our second, what, favorite wrestling week behind WrestleMania, I would say? I mean... Sometimes ahead? Yeah, I would go as far as saying that I'm more excited for the wrestling. Like, WrestleMania is like the spectacle. Wrestle Kingdom is like the wrestling. Between Wrestle Kingdom and G1 Climax, in terms of pure, uh, I'm going to see a bunch of five-star matches, that's that's my favorite. Like, I was super hyped for Wrestle Kingdom. I was geeked. I was too. Um, I would have to say it wasn't as good as last year. But that's not to say that wasn't good. Um, it just, it didn't live up to last year's card. How could you, you know, your, your co-main in my opinion was a five-star match and AJ Styles versus Nakamura, which everyone now would just drool over in the WWE fan. I mean, you put that as the WrestleMania headliner and fans are losing their shit. Um, and that was the co-main last year at Wrestle Kingdom. So yeah. Wrestle Kingdom 10, I, I think goes down in history as one of the best ever. Um, but this year, it started off great. There were some matches I liked, some I didn't. So let's just dive right into this. Opened up with the traditional, um, I guess, New Japan Rumble, not the Royal Rumble. But they always have, you know, that kind of over-the-top um, or pinfall, which is always odd to see. Battle Royal. And um, I, I liked it. There was I, What was Billy Gunn doing there? Uh, he's, yeah, he's in New Japan. He was in World, was it, the World Tag Team, whatever it was. Um Dude, it was so bad. The, the, the Rambo is what they call it. It was so bad it was good. Because basically it was a uh, showcase for Michael Elgin who was recovering from uh, horrible, I think it was an orbital injury. Yeah, bro, um, his eye socket. So they really had no idea if he was going to be ready for Wrestle Kingdom. So they found out he was ready. They was like, all right, we're going to put you in this match with the Cheeseburger, um, the Bone Soldier, Scott Norton, who looked exactly what you would think Scott Norton would look like, uh, you know, after his WCW and his old New Japan run. Um, There's a bunch of old people. Uh, dude, it was that was that was just it was ridiculous. It was just it was a good table setter for the night. Um, but if you're looking for like great action, it, it wasn't there. I know there were people that were at the Tokyo Dome that really thought Cheeseburger had a chance. When I he thought was he was going to win. <laughs> I was going to mark out. I thought Cheeseburger was going to eliminate Big Mike. Dude, he got obliterated. But, uh, you know, it, it was what it was. Good pre-show. Better than what the WWE does for their pre-shows. Oh, definitely. The pre-show had intrigue. It got yes. so far with Cheeseburger that you actually thought, like, yo, they're going to let him win. And then they yeah. crush your heart right there. It's beautiful. Um, so Big Mike wins that one. That's cool. I think you'll see a more prominent role with New Japan coming up this year. Um, second match, Tiger Mask versus Tiger the Dark. Yes, ACH versus Kota Ibushi for those the uninitiated. Um, ACH did a great job being Tiger Mask Dark without really tipping people off that he was ACH. But Kota Ibushi doesn't do a great job of not tipping people off that he's Kota Ibushi under the mask. <laughs> he, he pulled out the entire arsenal of Kota Ibushi moves, including the Tiger Bomb and everything. you know the the moons the springboard moonsault. Like he did everything. Uh, Tiger Mask got the win. Um, it's weird because only in New Japan will you have a wrestling match that's based off of an anime. But uh, that's what happened here. It was a great match, though. It was fun. Um, these two can go. ACH, I think, is in for one of the biggest years on the indie scene. Just signed with Evolve, I believe. We'll be seeing him WrestleMania weekend. 
he he's really going to put himself in the category of, you know, either this year or next as one of those next NXT guys. Um, I, I've been a fan of ACH for a while now. I was actually, I, I thought ACH in the long run would be better in a promotion like WWE than either Apollo Crews or even a guy like Jay Lethal. I'd always say I'd bet on, on ACH before both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I like ACH. I think that he's got, you know, there are things that he can do that appeal to a younger crowd. I actually bought me an ACH shirt, uh, which basically mimics the cover of the Akira anime cover. Uh, those, I'm an anime geek. Akira is one of my favorite animes, and he has a T-shirt that emulates that of him walking to the ring like Akira is walking. Well, Tetsu is walking to the bike. Um, so there's a lot of you know anime references. You know, people have seen to watch that wrestling the Dragon Bola. Ball Z stuff. Yeah, everywhere. like the him and Kenny Omega thing uh, at Bola a couple of years back was amazing. Um, ACH is got he's got a lot of talent. So you know, we'll see where he goes. Uh, Kota Bushi, yeah. I mean, I like Kota, but it's weird because Kota Bushi not too long ago was wrestling uh, Nakamura for the IC title, and now he's uh, it's Tiger Mask. But you know, we'll see where Kota goes from here. All right, so we have that, and then we have my least favorite booking of the night. And if you guys are just listening to the show, I cannot stand Rapungi Vice. Ever, 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 ever. They are worse. Like, they get on my nerves more than Red Dragon. And that's saying something. And for some reason, Rocky Romero keeps being a favorite of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, did, I, this, did I miss out on Rocky Romero? Like, what is the Rocky Romero hype train about? Well, I'm not a huge Rocky Romero fan. I am a Trent fan, though. I admit that I'm a Trent fan. Um, when this match was originally booked, I, wasn't, I didn't pop huge for it, but... What I did enjoy was a little storyline of teasing their breakup between Trent and Rocky Romero. And Trent damn near killing himself uh, <laughs> with a tope over the top rope and landing flat on his back with nobody there to leave, <laughs> to leave Romero by himself, which those who follow New Japan know that Romero has been losing. And this has been teasing the breakup. It's been all Romero's fault to leave him by himself with the Bucks. And uh, to score the pinfall on the roll-up on the more bang for your buck, the Bucks being a little bit arrogant, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind that was the way that they went with uh, having the Bucks drop the titles. Um, any other way, I would have been pissed off because I wasn't a fan of the, mat- the match booking itself. But the match wasn't bad. It was what it was. Um, it was early on the card. You know, it was getting a, it was getting a warm card. It was, just, it was just warming up the oven for what was coming later. Um, so I wasn't mad at it. I'm I not a big like Rocky Merrill fan. No, they're going to give the belts right back to the Bucks. They'll, they'll end up with him back somehow. And it's just like, I don't like when the better team or the better person loses on the grandest stage. Well, so that, Even that when happened. we saw AJ Styles lose to Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho ended up becoming the best thing on the Raw side. But we didn't know that at the time. And I was like, why are you doing this? Like, AJ Styles beat him everywhere else, but on the grandest stage, he can't win? It just it bothers me. And Rapunky Vice's theme song gets stuck in my head every damn time. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate. Again, I can't. I can't do it. Can't do Rapunky Vice at all. I'm like I said. I'm, I'm cool with the book into this, and the match wasn't bad. And you know, it, it was a uh, like I said. I think it was handled well. The, the story that they did have. Any other way, I just wouldn't have liked it. But it was cool. All right, next one. Never open weight six man tag match. Um, I feel like this would be more your style of match. But it, three teams just seemed a little much for me. Osprey had a couple good spots. Um, four teams. He had four. Four. Yes. Oh, it was four. You you were right. 
Oh, Ricochet was in the other team, correct. Uh, Ricochet didn't really do much for me in this one. Um, Osprey had a couple of good spots. I liked uh, Evil actually was okay for a good amount of time, but too much Bushi, Bad Luck Fale just really does nothing for me. Well, I mean, the, I didn't know this was a gauntlet match until he started wrestling. Um, I thought this was going to be like 12 people just going nuts in the ring. Um, it felt like... This was the match where they had too much. T- this was a car where they had too much talent. They had to figure out how to cram everybody in there. What I don't get, <laughs> Ghetto, who's one, who's a key booker for New Japan, I don't understand why he wouldn't use Wrestle Kingdom to do another Osprey Ricochet match. That's what I thought they should have done, yeah. um, but they didn't. It, it was kind of wild to me that they, they didn't take that opportunity to put those two on the grandest stage because not a lot of people saw Best of Super Juniors, and the only reason why they did is because they heard how great the Osprey-Ricochet match was. So why not do it at Wrestle Kingdom? Um, anyway, the match itself, it was what it was. Um, L.I.J., uh, you know, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi won. Um, I didn't feel like it could have went any other way because, you know, Los Encarnables are, you know, with Naito at the, at the head of that, these guys are thriving. Uh, and yeah, this wasn't even, I really didn't care for this match. The bullet club being in there was kind of a waste to me. Um, because it was like the bullet club C team, you know, hangman page and, uh, Takahashi who came in there and would have had the Godfather proud with his hoes. Um, which was hilarious. Those, yo, listen, his Japanese stable was, was quite nice. Yeah. And people are gonna be like, you can't call them hoes. Well, the Godfather called them hoes and I'm sure Takahashi <laughs> called them his hoes. Yeah. Uh, we don't speak Japanese, but I'm pretty sure it translated to whole train. Yeah, so anyway, um, like I said, this was a decent match. I would love to see more out of Osprey and Ricochet. Um, my other favorite guy in this match who didn't do a lot was Sonata. I'm, I'm a big Sonata guy. Uh, I think this guy has the look. Uh, he beat Tanahashi in G1. He gave Okada a run for his money. I'd like to see more out of Sonata, but see how it goes. It was, it was a decent match. All right, next we have Cody, just Cody, versus Juice Robinson. Ah, uh, yeah. This one like a this squash match. match. I didn't like this match at all. There's, there's two reasons why I didn't like this match. One, I didn't like Juice Robinson's performance. I, th- I felt like he was just doing too much. Um, the yelling, the high-pitched squealing. I mean, he tried to sell to the moon for Cody. The other thing I didn't like was, for all the talk about Cody joining the Bullet Club, you wouldn't have known it watching this match. Cody didn't have anything on to say Bullet Club. Cody didn't do necessarily anything Bullet Club. Like, why is he in the Bullet Club? I didn't get it. This could have been a different kind of a showcase match rather than having that whole video of Cody joining the Bullet Club. It was kind of silly. And there was like, a, I think there was a spot in the match where, well, there was a spot, I don't think. This is where Cody does that, I think it's the Doomsday Kick where he jumps off the turnbuckle and he, and he completely missed Juice Robinson. Credit <laughs> to Juice for selling it to the moon, but just he hit nothing. I was like, Jesus Christ. But, it, just, it wasn't a good match for Cody. No, no. Give, and, and, give him someone who is actually legit. And nobody in the Tokyo Dome cared about who he was either. So that didn't help. No, um, they didn't have any Bullet Club people come out with him. It would have been great if, you know, the Young Bucks would have came out with him or something. Yeah, do something. Give Anything. Him, yeah, give him a rub or something. Um, let's see. Next up, we have Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. ROH well, World Championship. And... For people who haven't watched New Japan, it's crazy how much these titles switch hands anyway. And on this night, incredible how many titles just were passed along like hot potato. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a rationale behind this as well. Kyle O'Reilly did re-sign with uh, Ring of Honor. So the big win against Adam Cole out here in, out, out here in Vegas at the, at the uh, what was it, whatever the pay-per-view was that we all went to. Um, yeah. 
so he won the title after you know waiting for so long, but then he didn't resign. So Ring of Honor was kind of forced to put it back on Adam Cole. Um, the match itself was decent, and the reason why I say it was decent, the crowd wasn't hot for it because they have no idea the history between Cole and O'Reilly. Um, and the finish was kind of abrupt. Uh, three super kicks and, you know, uh, the, a finisher later and Cole's a champ. There was no real high drama there. Um, they were stiff in the beginning, but it, it's going to be interesting to see what O'Reilly fetches on the open market if that's what his plan is. Um, I, I don't know if he's a hot commodity to go elsewhere. So, um, yeah, Where's Tyler Where's Kyle O'Reilly from? Uh, he looks like he's from like Delaware. I don't know or Providence, Rhode Island. He's that type of guy. But I, I don't know. I okay. honestly don't know. All right, I was just wondering. You know, O'Reilly. I didn't know if it was like an American, you know, just Irish American <laughs> name, or if he's actually Irish. I was very confused. Yeah, I don't know. But this match, it was for it. It was like a ten minute match. It was cool. It was just it, it had its reasons for being what it was. It was an ROH title match. Adam Cole is now, I believe, the only three time ROH Heavyweight Champion. Uh, but it's kind of by, by accident. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, it was what it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, overly excited about that match, but once again, you know how I feel about Kyle O'Reilly. So, yeah. um, we also have the next one, three-way tag team match for the IWGP Tag Team Championships, the heavyweight ones, that is, and we saw Gorillas of Destiny, GBH, and Chaos. Okay. Um, <laughs> Gorillas of Destiny, weren't you high on them after the last pay-per-view, after we I've, talked about it? I've, I've never been high on the Gorillas of Destiny. I actually dislike them as a tag team. I, I thought you were good on Tomatonga. I like, I like Tomatonga's performance in G1. I thought he had potential. But as a tag team, I didn't like him. However, I laughed so much during this match because of all the swearing that, was, that the mic picked up. I Incredible. hate you, motherfucker. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Yo, I was in tears watching this match because the mic just picked up everything and in new japan because clearly it's not wwe so they say what they want and and the gorillas of destiny just went crazy with the swearing and it was hilarious now as far as the wrestling is concerned i enjoyed it except for the, the addition of toriano toriano is basically the new japan prankster he doesn't really wrestle um and he you know he kind of shows up to sneak and steal a win and in a match that could have been just well off without him. Um, Ishii did his thing. Uh, Great Bash Heel, the team of Maccabi and Hanma did their thing. And the Gorillas Destiny weren't bad either. It's just the addition of Yano just kind of, it was like a, it was like a good match. And then just somebody random comes in and does some dumb shit. So yeah, I know you like, you know, she was in the match. And I know you liked it. Um, that's your guy. Usually that is my guy. I love Ishii. And Hanma had some good spots as well. It was a a traditional New Japan heavyweight tag team match. I, I've never been a huge fan of their heavyweight division, even with Gallows and Anderson. Um, so this one just kind of fell into place, to be honest. It's like those big guys don't compare to the other tag team champions, and they never will. No, it's very true. It's very, very, very true. And I mean, like even Gorillas of Destiny is. is for what they, you know, they're the, the Usos. Champions. Them yeah, and the Usos exactly. are exactly the same now. Now that they both wear camo and pants, they just have face paint. Yeah, so I wasn't, again, I, I wasn't a huge fan of this match. And I thought the booking and putting Yano in there was just kind of weird. So, whatever. Yeah, and then um, next up we have, this is where it gets good, by the way. If anyone doesn't have time to watch five hours of wrestling, 
because you might have a life, unlike us, whose life is to watch five hours of wrestling. Um, start here. Watch the Young Bucks. Skip through a little bit. Start here. You have Takahashi versus Kushida for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. And it was one of my favorite matches of the night. I, I don't know if it was my absolute favorite, but, man, they delivered. It, it was kind of like, you know, it, it was that great play on, I know Takahashi's good. Kushida's like, okay, whatever. I thought Takahashi needed that push to get the title. There's belt switching anyway. Give him the belt, and they delivered for him. Yeah, I mean, I've been high on, you know, the wrestler previously known as Kamatachi. Um, and CMLL and watching him and ROH's brief run there. And him showing up as a time bomb, you know, for the promos that they ran oh, during G1. Oh, which was G1. great. He came out yeah. to the time bomb intro and everything. I like his music, the entrance. Everything's yeah. great about that. And, you know, somebody needs to knock Kushida off because Kushida's reign has been pretty dominant since ooh, taking the title for, off of Kenny Omega, I believe. Yeah, he did. Um, and, you know, he he beat Real Ospreay, and he needed, he needed somebody that had his number. And he needed somebody like Takahashi who is basically a balls-to-the-wall, I-don't-care-for-my-body type of uh, super junior. And this match was great, dude. Like, there, I mean, you know, the teasing of the Kimura, you know, with the hoverboard uh, yeah. lock, the hover lock, and the, uh, the uh, even even the botch spot where they try to do the Hurricane Rano off of the Off top the apron? Two. Yeah, even the botch of it. And then, you know, I'm going to keep calling him Kamatachi because that's just what I do. But... Uh, <laughs> Even when he botched that, and then he recovered by doing that ridiculous swanton, well, senton off of the top turnbuckle and just lands ass first onto the on the outside the ring, mm-hmm. or or when uh, Kushida catches the, him in a flying armbar, dude, this match was good. This good match was really good, one and of, it really one of it the set the stage the for everything else. Yep. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I I really want to see Takahashi versus Ricochet next. If yeah, Ricochet's ever going to get a push. As the junior heavyweight champion, these two got to go right now. And that'll be one hell of a match. Well, there's and, a lot of feud. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can work it because you got Osprey, you got Finley, you got. I mean, you know, the super junior division is. is Stats. It has a lot of entry. It's, it's, it's pretty intriguing right now. But yeah, this was a great match. And from here, I was like, well, what's going to top that? Can anything top that? Boy, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we go right into Godo versus Shibata. You know me. This yeah, is I, my shit. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say this shit had you all over. Like, come on, man! It it's strong style. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, I, the never open weight championship is starting to grow on me. Because you know, at this point, it kind of seems like a TNA style belt, like generated, just like okay, what does it mean? But they've given it identity. Like when yeah. we when we started, I don't know, growing up as wrestling fans, you saw the Intercontinental Champion, and you were like, man, that's the best wrestler in the company, right? This yeah. is now that this is the the quote unquote king of strong style in New Japan. Whoever holds this belt is strong style. Yeah, and, and it, it wasn't made to be that way. It was supposed to be for younger talent. The never open weight title was for for younger talent to get over. Instead, it's become like who can kick whose ass. And I think you know to see Goto in this match, which for me I felt like it was supposed to be somebody from uh, you know pro wrestling Noah because they had that feud. You know, knowing New Japan going into the uh, summer last year. But have Goto out there, the guy who can't win the big one. Um, face the Shibata and these two putting together just a really stiff uh, 
affair. Dude, I enjoyed every minute of this. It wasn't my favorite match of the night, but I feel like um, I've been big on seeing Shibata getting a push, and I feel like he needed to drop the title if he's going to get a push. And now I'm kind of convinced he's going to get a push because of how the main event played out. Um, and for the last two years, I, I think it's at least two years, I've said Shibata needs to have a great run in G1, and he hasn't had that yet. So maybe there's, this is the setup to get the Never title off of him and put him into the spotlight because he's different than everybody else on the roster. That's true. Um, I'm not mad at that. You know, there's definitely someone I would have rather seen get the push, but we're coming up to that in the next match. So we have Naito versus Tanahashi. We've talked about Tanahashi countless times on the podcast. The guy's John Cena, right? Like, it's just, it's just who he is. And to see him with the Intercontinental Championship and going for that belt, it, it kind of reminded me of when Cena went and got the U.S. Championship and everything. And it was like, it, it, it's given. Just give him a belt when he's not feuding in the main event thing. But I wanted to see, the whole time, I want to see Naito win. I want to see him go over. I love that character. I love who he's become. I think yeah. when you first introduced me, you introduced me to New Japan. You said, man, this guy is good. I was like, I don't really like him. You're like, no, they just need to turn him heel. Yeah. And they did, and it's gone to the moon. Gave him his own stable. It's great. And this match was my match of the night. I love this match. Um, I loved it because the storytelling was great. Because Tanahashi, if there's nothing else Tanahashi can do, he can tell a story. How old, Being, like, how long can he do this, by the way? Not to I, you, I don't, like, How much longer can he put together these matches? I don't know. It just seems like when you think he's done, he comes back with another one. And, you know, the story of this match is Tanahashi has been the New Japan ace. And he, they gave him new music, which sucked. But they kept <laughs> saying, go ace in the music, which is like, well, I, thought, I felt like Okada has become the ace ever since he became the champ. But anyway, if the whole story of this match was Tanahashi does he, convincing himself that he still had it. Meanwhile, Naito, who doesn't give a shit about anything, um, just wanted to defend his title, a title that he doesn't give a shit about. But he needs to prove himself against a guy like Tanahashi. These two guys, I mean, the limb work was great when they both worked on each other's knees. Um, nothing was wasted in this match. I felt like everything was done with a purpose. And Naito picking up the win was the absolute right move because up until this point, every title changed hands at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and Naito was the first one to defend his title. And he's a star, dude. And the, only, and the, the, the kind of funny thing about this is, is I feel like Naito's going down the same exact path that Shinsuke Nakamura went to because Nakamura never won the big one. Yeah. Naito, at least he won the title and he lost. He dropped it to Okada. But... Naito seems like he, I don't know if he's ever going to get another shot at the IWGP heavyweight title again to have a run, like a real run as the ace and the champ of this, this company. But he's um, better now than he was as champion. Well, I mean, he's, ever since he's turned Los Incongrenables, he's just been dominant. And he's looked excellent, and he's, he's completely unlike anybody else on the roster. And he's somebody whose current gimmick could transfer well uh, into WWE. But, you know, he's not, I don't see him ever going anywhere. But, um, yeah, man, this was just a, a really, really, really good match. My match tonight, night, it, the match was so good, Naito forgot to be a heel after the match. Oh, yeah, he had to pay respect to the legend. Yeah, he got up, he bowed to Tanahashi. Like, it was so good that all that kayfabe shit went out the window. And he was like, no, this was, this was it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, I love Naito. I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to see how the character of Tanahashi plays out now because, he, yes, he's very much like John Cena. John Cena spent the, 
the better half of the last three to five years putting other people over. But and that, that's what's great about them both is that the Rumble for John Cena or G1 for Tanahashi, you can always throw them in there, have them make an amazing run, and win it. And they're relevant again just like that. If you want them to be. If yeah. you need them to be in the title picture, throw them in there. No one can complain. You can't. If Right now, we don't know who's going to win the Rumble. We're going to talk about that in a little while. If John Cena makes his run through it after being gone and being a part-timer for a second and wins the, the opportunity at the belt at Mania, would you be surprised? No, I wouldn't. I mean, if he because be, he's wrestling AJ Styles at, at Royal Rumble. So I don't even know if he's going to be in the Rumble itself. But if he, wh- whatever happens, nothing would surprise me. No. And, if they wanted to do that, they could do that in a blink of an eye, and no one can, no one can complain. Yeah. Because that's how I, big these guys are now to their individual companies. And but I think the best thing about guys like Tanahashi and John Cena, and it's something that Roman Reigns doesn't have yet, maybe it's too soon, is the moment they start becoming vulnerable and they can lose matches is the moment that they become more endearing to us. Because John Cena was a pain in the ass when he just wouldn't lose any matches. But now that he's, he's vulnerable and loses to AJ Styles, who's 0-3 against, and he loses, you know, he's putting guys over, now we, he's endearing because he's doing great matches as well. So that's the same thing with Tanahashi. Like, when you're winning all the time, you, you tend to become hated. But once you lose a couple of matches and you show that you're, you're still, like, one of the guys and you're willing to put other people over, that's when, they, you know, all bets are off and you are truly a legend. I think that's what Tanahashi is, and I think that's the same thing with John Cena. No, I completely agree. And in the main event, which now I'm reading was 45 minutes. It yeah. didn't feel like 45 minutes. Um, we have Okada versus Kenny Omega, the Rainmaker versus the Cleaner. Huge buildup, good promo. Like before the, the fight, it felt like a WWE-style promo. Obviously, the budget wasn't there. But they did a good job telling the story and, and yeah. bringing you in and then... I mean, the guys delivered. Was it as good as last year's match with Okada and Tanahashi? Probably not. But they both had good spots. Kenny Omega can wrestle, man. Like, character aside, people for a long time thought he was just a character and a jokester. He can go. Yeah. Um, Some decent psychology as well. Yeah. A lot of people are pissed off that Omega didn't take the strap off of Okada. A lot of people felt like there should have been a change in the guard here. Uh, I raised Um, my hand on that. I am one of those people. I, I don't mind it in the sense that I feel like Omega became a made man in this match. And there's a couple of things that, that I'll talk about in this match um, that explain why this makes a little bit a, a lot more sense than lost than initially thought. First of all, the match was extraordinarily long. It was 48 minutes, and it didn't necessarily feel like it. The first 20 minutes felt like a lot of filler to a lot of people, but... The reason that that kind of happened was because you just came off of this extremely hot match between Tanahashi and Naito, who are just, you can argue, are more over than Omega and Okada. So you needed to cool the crowd down. So that first 20 minutes was almost almost arbitrary. It's better than putting, you know, um, back in the day when you used to put the Divas in there to, to cool the crowd down. You kept these two in there. Once the tables came out, shit just went to another level. And <laughs> Yo, they need to get... Better tables or worse tables, should I say? Because their <laughs> tables are too sturdy. I was like, they're gonna kill each other going through these thick ass tables. Yeah, they, I mean, you had the Omega spot where he was sunset. Uh, well, he was back body drop over the top rope through a table. Yeah, um, <laughs> then that, that table that table won that battle. Yeah, then you had like the double foot stomp. Like 
the the final stretch, like the last five to ten minutes between Omega and Okada, was was arguably better than last year's uh, uh, Tanahashi Okada match. Um, That's like that stretch because you really didn't know who was going to win. Because there's only like three people have kicked out of the Rainmaker. And one of them is Tanahashi. Um, I I think the other one is Nakamura. And Omega, who has never been on the stage before, kicked out of the Rainmaker. Then he converted the Rainmaker into this flying knee that almost took Okada's head off. Um, And it was just a series of near falls that were just ridiculous. And... The reason why I say that I'm not so mad that Omega lost, I would have been mad if Omega, not even mad, the fact that Omega never hit the one-winged angel in this match tells me that this is far from finished. But there were so many teases to it, too, which made it great. Right, but the fact that he never hit it, so we never had an opportunity to see if Okada could kick out of the the one-winged angel, there's a story being placed there that if and when these two meet again— if Omega hits that move, will it finish off Okada? Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, if, if Omega beats Okada at, like, Dominion or another one of the New Japan pay-per-views, that everything is arbitrary. But um, I felt like this was a great match. And, and people, anybody who questioned Kenny Omega walked away from this match thinking that, dude, he's, and he said he's never going to go to WWE. And I don't think he is. But I think this guy is a remarkable, remarkable talent. And Every, then, Everyone says that. <laughs> yeah, and I'll I, I have to watch this match again because, uh, you know, like Dave Meltzer said, it was like one of the best matches he's ever seen in his life. Um, right now, it's a 4.75 for me um, because it, it was just really long. And even though I understand it, it kind of takes away from it. But, man, this was a good match. It, there, there was just a lot of near falls. So I'm assuming he gave it a 5.0, Meltzer. Man, I think some, it was like a six-star <laughs> yeah. Something crazy like that. He loved the match, and I, I, thought, no, I, thought, really I thought the match was great. Um, I guess this is me being a weirdo two years in a row and thinking the co-main was better than the main. Maybe just because it was shorter. You know, Maybe. 20, twenty-five minutes. If you cut off the first, like you said, it's a forty-six minute match, right? If we cut off the first twenty minutes and just have the last twenty-five, maybe it's a five-star, six-star match. I mean, yeah, it was so, I don't know. Same thing like last year, because they give the co-main 25 minutes, and it plays perfectly. So I was more invested in Naito Tanahashi, and I thought that was the better match. But maybe if they were both 25 minutes, and we didn't have to have 15 minutes of early filler, maybe I'd feel differently. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I have to go back and watch it. I'm trying to figure out where you saved these minutes off at. Um, and, And you know, the other thing that makes these matches great, and it's something that, American crowds don't do like Japan crowd. It's like the, the the crowds, how it builds up, and you can feel the crowd get more and more invested as the crowd as the match progresses and it crescendos. Like those last five minutes, the crowd is like, "Ooh, ah!" Like it's the energy is so different. And, and Tokyo Dome is on my bucket list. I'm going to a, a Wrestle Kingdom before I die, and I'm probably going to go <laughs> in the next couple of years. Like I, I may go next year, but um, I'm going. I need to go. I need to see this in person. I gotta get my passport ready. <laughs> the the dome just looks amazing and just the crowd and I don't know. It was it was a great Wrestle Kingdom. I don't think it was better than Wrestle Kingdom I wanna say it was nine? Can't remember which one it was. Nine ten was like last year's was absolutely amazing. Nine was great too, and I think eight was great as well. Um but the, it's in terms of wrestling is concerned, I enjoy, I mean shit, I enjoyed this shit more than WrestleMania. <laughs> so oh, hands like, down, hands down. This is two years in a row. WrestleMania got a lot to live up to this year. Do I think well, they yeah. closed the gap? Probably, because of the talent, but I don't know. 
to surpass Wrestle Kingdom, it'll take two or three years. Like, yeah, can't I can't mean, say that with confidence because look at Osprey. Like, look at the yeah. people still coming up. Look at Okada, who's 28 years old. He's my age. So yeah. when does the WWE ever start closing the gap? I don't know. I, I don't know. Wrestling, it's, I'm not sure. I can't say that with confidence. I, I don't know. Wrestle Kingdom will always be better in WrestleMania, wrestling quality-wise, until they figure that out. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to, in WrestleMania, <laughs> in WrestleMania, you're never going to have a four-match stretch like Wrestle Kingdom just had. You're never going to have it. And I don't know if it's due to American audiences. You're not going to have what we just saw at Wrestle Kingdom in their final four matches at any WrestleMania. Oh, man, but they could. They could, but they're not. Oh, you give us a, a Owens Generico match, um, or excuse me, Owens Zane match. You give us Styles versus Nakamura. Give us Joe versus I don't. Give us Joe Lesnar. I don't care. Make Lesnar actually fight again. Um, man, they can have one hell of a run with this roster. Yeah, you a just gotta book run. it. You gotta book it properly, like. I don't see WrestleMania ever pulling together a match with as many near falls and go as long as what we just saw with Omega and Okada. Um, no. I, listen, I, I could see AJ Styles and Nakamura going just as long and being just as good. I, but see, but I, we've seen that there already. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a cheat. Um, but maybe a Rollins-Nakamura match can do the same. Um, you, you look at a guy, you give a Cena versus Samoa Joe, and those guys even have a history together and they're friends and all. Do you know the match they would put on with near falls and craziness? I just don't trust the WWE uh, to ever do it right. That's my you know problem. I, mean? I, I, don't, just, I don't trust the booking to get the pairings right. But, man, the talent they have to give us some really dope shit. Yeah, they, they do have the best talent. It's just mismanaged talent. So, whew, we'll see. But so this that, was, yeah, West Kingdom was great. And I didn't care. Like, it was like WWE this week. I was like, I watched it. But I was like, meh, I don't care. Exactly. Um, to end this segment real quick, quick WWE recap. Goldberg's back. Are you excited? No, I hate it. Like that Raw could have ended any other way than to have Roman Reigns and Goldberg spear Braun Strowman. Any other way I could have dealt with. Like that makes Kevin no Owen, sense. Like those two spearing Braun Strowman, and then like why didn't this dissolve into like a brawler and like to push Kevin Owens to the curb again? Like he's not the champ. I just I hated how it ended, so I, I didn't care. Whatever. Um, plans heading into Rumble. Do we know who's going to win yet? I'm I'm still as baffled as I've been in what ten years. I'm no uh, clue yeah. who's going to win. This is the first year that I can say in many years where I am absolutely clueless on who's going to win the Rumble. Like usually, like when when Triple H announced he was going to be in it. I was like, oh, Triple H going to win. Or Roman Reigns, oh, Roman Reigns. Or, like, Batista and Orton, like, or the year you just swore Daniel Bryan was going to win it and he did it. Like, everything, this is the first year where I'm like, dude, I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> like, I, I, I have no idea. It, it could be anybody. It could be I'm, Reigns. It could be Who's your Les favorite right now? Um, if you had to pick a favorite. Early betting. God damn, I don't know. Uh, I, I got to go Jericho. I got to put Jericho and we get Jericho Owens. Yeah, it'd have to be Jericho or if somehow uh, Finn Balor makes a return, but that's not even a for sure thing. So um, that, I, don't, I don't have anybody. Like, I, <laughs> Sami Zayn could win this thing. Like, I don't know. That'd be some I crazy shit. I would love that. Um, I mean, Strowman's been looking strong. Yeah, he can't win this shit. Nope, absolutely not. And I think he takes the belt off of Reigns because you can't go from zero to 100. He's not the Undertaker. He ain't going into the main event at Mania against the champion. 
uh, I mean, dude, I could actually the way they said this this, this little um, Twitter beef between John Cena and Roman Reigns, I'd actually prefer to see Cena and Reigns go at it. Oh yeah, bring relevance back to that belt. Let's go. Yeah, like do something, but yeah, raw, whatever. Um, no, it was all about New Japan this week. Yeah. Um, next week we'll get back to talking, you know, WWE and NXT, which is you know gearing up for the Rumble themselves, um, and just seeing direction everything goes. But this week, all New Japan. It t- look it took up majority of our talking time for the show. Um, so you guys stay tuned. Right after the break, we'll just go over some of the awards real quick that we didn't get to last week before we break out of here. And once again, thank you guys for listening. Shout out to the sponsors who are coming up next. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online, and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. All right, once again, thanks to the sponsors coming back. We're just going to run down our awards that were supposed to be on the award show last week, but we had to take a mulligan. But we still want to tell you guys about who won our Corner Podcast Awards. First one, we have Fight of the Year in MMA. We had Swanson versus Choi at UFC 206, which was crazy. Everyone remembers that. McGregor Diaz 2. We have Reyes versus... um, Kim at 199, Chandler versus Henderson, um, which is a great fight. And then we also have Lawler versus Condit for our fight of the years in MMA. It was really tough picking those. I mean, at one point, we're splitting hairs. Andreas likes to do write-ins and stuff of everything. (laughs) I'll tell you, every fight, Andreas wants to do a write-in. But after asking a couple people, Connor versus Nate Diaz, UFC 202, wins fight of the year. I'm okay with that. Five-round brawl, evenly matched fighters. Connor's toughest fight to date had everything we needed. I understand that the Korean Superboy survived one hell of a beating. But to me, two evenly matched fighters takes that to another level. I mean, I don't mind it either. Kind of Lawler was my pick. Um, I felt like it was... was, uh suffering because it was the first fight first big fight of last year so it's pushed to the back of a lot of people's minds but you know the stakes were super high for for diaz and mcgregor's rematch and the two put on an entertaining show Uh, mcgregor dropping diaz early diaz testing mcgregor's conditioning 
Um, that was a phenomenal fight with, with, with huge stakes, and it made Conor an even bigger star for pulling that decision out. So I'm not mad at that at all. Um, going to our second award, we have Fight of the Year in Boxing, which is a little bit tougher, believe it or not. Um, we have Frampton Santa Cruz. We had Thurman Porter, Salito Vargas, and then we have, uh, oh man, I don't know why this completely blanked on me. Oh, we had Ward Kovalev as the four fights to choose from in boxing. Winner, Salito versus Vargas. Now, I will tell you this. I took my vote out of this when polling people about this. I took my vote out. Why? Because I honestly couldn't decide if that was better than Kovalev Ward. And my vote would have made it a tie. Really? Yep. So five people were in it with us. So me, you, two other people. Hmm. And my vote would have swung it. Or no, excuse me. um, It was tied and my vote would have swung it. So I just went with your vote. Because I... It was literally 2.5 versus 2.5 because I was split. So I was like, you know what? Andreas gets the tiebreaker. Why did you yeah. choose Salito Vargas as fight of uh, the year? Um, because it was a, a hellacious fight between two guys. And it was, it was, I mean, this was, this was boxing brawling. Um, That's Salito, the Salito yeah. Vargas put on an entertaining back and forth show. Ward Kovalev, I don't want to watch again. So like Salito <laughs> Vargas, I will watch again. What the um, Kovalev was the sweet science, though. You're a man of the sweet science. I am, but it's not my fight of the year. Um, they, it, you know, it was a great fight. And actually, I, you know, I like Frampton Santa Cruz is a fight better than Ward Kovalev. Ward Kovalev is way down on my list. Wow. On uh, fight of the year. Um, yeah. That, but uh, Vargas and Salito just, the, I mean, these two guys just took an, a, a ridiculous amount of punishment, kept coming back for more. There's also another fight. I think it was uh, Dylan White and Derek Chisora had a hell of a fight this year um, in December, a heavyweight fight. But, yeah. I mean, there uh, was a good lower fight. Uh, Gonzalez Quadras was a great fight. Yeah, I mean, um, for, uh, for those who watch PBC, uh, Robert Easter and Richard Comney had a hell of a fight um, this year. I mean, there was a lot of great fights to choose from, but, you know, Vargas and Salido is just everything that you want in a boxing match. And, and that's a lot of ways that I gauge it is I say – if somebody who's never watched boxing before, if I needed to pull one of these fights up to, for them to watch, I'd give them Vargas Salidas. I mean, Salido. I would not have them watch War Cobra. They probably think it was boring. True. I mean, that's, that's great logic behind it. So that gets our Fight of the Year and Boxing Award. Next award, one of my favorites. I'm glad it was on the list. 2016 Wasted Talent Award. <laughs> you know, these people may have a bright future, but it just didn't show in 2016. You give them what the joint Jordan Cryface meme for the year 2016. We have Sage Northcutt, Apollo Cruz, Errol Spence Jr., and Sami Zayn. Why is Errol on this list? Because Errol didn't fight enough. As far as potential is concerned, leaving 2015, you couldn't tell me that Errol Spence wasn't going to be a star. And, 20, I could. and 2016 was womp, womp, womp. Lost uh, all I mean, momentum. I don't think he's lost all momentum. I think once he gets back in there, he'll be fine. But I say something um, about Apollo Cruz. No, the, that's different. Uh, who won? That's what I want to know. Oh, the Wasted Talent Award? Yeah. Easily Sage Northcutt. Runaway. Four votes to one. Really? You being the one. You voted for Zami Zane. 
Yes. <laughs> what's what's so wasted about Sage Northcutt? Help me understand this. His two losses. That's not a waste. He lost. No, of course he lost. But the way they were building him up, the immediate push to become a star, all of that, when all of that comes together, the way, more so, once again, doesn't mean he's not going to be great. I believe Sage has all the stuff to be great. He just has to focus. He has to be like Ronda, get the hell away from his comfort zone and train 24-7 at a real gym. But for what he was built up as and the year he could have had, wasted talent, he flopped. Yeah. I, I can't. I mean, he had the opportunity. And Sami Zayn hasn't had the opportunity. That, that's that's why I picked him. Sami Zayn beat the man who became the Universal Champion at Battleground, and then has went to the bottom of the pack and become a jobber. So that's why I picked <laughs> Sami Zayn. I mean, he's, sound I mean, logic. He's not, sound logic. Yeah, that's, that's that's why I picked him. I understand why Sage is on the list, but I feel like at least Sage got the opportunity to perform on a big stage. Sami hasn't gotten shit. Like Sami's just kind of. <laughs> He's just been toiling in obscurity, well, in, in mediocrity. I wouldn't even say obscurity because he's there. He's just, you know, Dropping doing the, the Strowman and shit. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's just real shitty to see what they've done to Sami Zayn, especially as, as good as we already know he is. There's no shocker there. Next up, we have match of the year for the WWE. Equivalent to kind of our fights of the year, everything else. It was kind of hard picking a WWE one because I threw NXT into the mix. So our contestants were the Revival versus DIY, NXT Brooklyn. AJ Styles versus John Cena, SummerSlam, Sami Zayn versus Nakamura, NXT Dallas, and Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens at Battleground. No, we do not have Lesnar versus Goldberg on the list. <laughs> <laughs> if we had moment of the year, it definitely would probably be there because Andre's Hell wouldn't kill me for doing that. Yeah. Um, but as far as match of the year is concerned, I think those four were very deserving. And our winner for match of the year, Styles Cena. I'm not mad at that. Nope. That's, that's, my fa- that's my favorite match. Um, Four to one. The only other match that got consideration was Zayn Nakamura. Yeah, and that was there for Zayn Nakamura. That was insane. Um, but seeing the, like, the passing of the torch, the match itself, it, everything was great. Um, the only match I would like to see on this, I know we have DIY and the Revival from NXT, the Brooklyn show, but I thought that two out of three falls matches might have been better. Ooh, that's tough. Um... Yeah, that, a lot of people argued that style Cena. Uh, what was the one right before SummerSlam? Was that... Uh, I forgot the name of that paper. They argued that that, that one was better. That was, that was that also at Battleground? I can't, I can't remember. It might have been at Battleground or something. They argued that that was better than the SummerSlam match. Yeah, I thought the SummerSlam match was the best one. Like The, the energy for the Money in the Bank match was great. Um, that was actually here in Vegas, but you know, it had the Fugazi finish with the club getting involved and. uh that the SummerSlam match, I think they pulled out all the stops. And going back, what a shitty pay per view SummerSlam was to get, have such a great match on there. Boy, SummerSlam was ass cheeks. That was such <laughs> a bad. That was such a bad pay per view. Oh man, let's hope that we get a better Rumble and Mania than we got with that. Um, True. Let's just blame that on the early brand split. Like now, hopefully they figure shit out. Um, so that's our match of the year. We also threw in an indie wrestling match of the year. You killed me for calling New Japan an indie, um, but I'm lumping all that in. A non-WWE match of the year. Um, we have Ricochet versus Osprey at Battle of the Super Juniors. We have Omega versus Naito. We have Okada versus Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 10 last year. Um, the Omega-Naito match was at G1. And then we have Nakamura Styles Wrestle Kingdom 10 from last year. Who won? In this one, indie match of the year. 
Okada Tanahashi wins it. I'm the only weirdo that thought that last year's Nakamura versus Styles Wrestle Kingdom 10 match was better than the main event with Okada and Tanahashi, but you were spot on. You were one of the people that voted for it. Yeah, I mean, Okada and Tanahashi, two guys that have met numerous times, and when they first, when we first knew that uh, these two were going to meet again at G1, well, not G1, at Wrestle Kingdom, people groaned because it was like they wrestled so many times, but when they actually got together and wrestled again, it was like two great teams that have played each other numerous times during the regular se- season, meeting in the Super Bowl, and knowing how to neutralize each other's best, uh, you know, best weapons, and it was probably one, it was the best match they've had. Uh, so yeah, I have not, I have no qualms with that being top match. Naito and uh, Omega was absolutely ridiculous. Um, you had a great, a, a lot. That was of the best G one match. That was easily the best G one match. Um, there was a couple bowler matches that probably could have ended up on here. Oh, that that the uh, the six man tag with the Bucks. With the and, Bucks. And, and, oh my God! Did you watch that? I did. That that match could have been on here. Um, I don't. I like the flippy shit. So I had to put Ricochet with Will Ospreay over that match. But, man, it was, it was close. There was a lot of good matches. This yeah, I mean, it's just a good time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, That's ROH cool. kind of I – I couldn't find a bid for ROH to even put in our contenders. Um, the best match for ROH this year would have to be Ladder War. Um, the Bucks and the uh, Addiction and uh, Motor City Machine Guns, that ladder match at Final Battle. That I feel like that was the best ROH match this year. But okay. still, it's not on par with – like. Uh, that that six man tag at Bowler was stupid. Like, <laughs> the spots in that were incredible. I mean, there's, I mean, it didn't even win. We didn't even nominate, but the spot where Will Osprey intercepts the Indy Taker with like a, a cutter off of the rope. Uh, he, I think he intercepted Nick Jackson coming off the rope. It was just, it was yeah. just so. That match was so stupid. <laughs> so so ridiculously good. Um, yeah. So man, a lot of good matches. Had to end with that Wrestle Kingdom match. So it got five stars for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. Switching over to the hip-hop categories for a quick second. Uh, and music in general. We had hot, hottest rap song of the year. So everyone asked me a question about this. I was like, it's not lyrical. It's the hottest song of the year. So dumb down your brains if you can. I don't know why I only polled smart people for this category. Um, but we have Ray Shremmer, Black Beatles, we have Young M.A., ooh, Fat Joe and Remy Ma all the way up, and Kanye West, Ultralight Bean. And it was damn near split. So I pulled more people for the hip-hop and rap questions, right? Because a lot more people know about it. Um, and Black Beatles almost made the comeback, but in the end, all the way up gets the Corner Podcast Award. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It was the hottest song of the summer. Fat Joe and Ruby Ma. Black um, Beatles, though. The young people skew towards the Black Beatles, by the way. Yeah, I'm not young, so I don't care. Yeah, I know. Oh. We, are, <laughs> we had a biased panel. We're kind of we're like the Grammys. So our shit is skewed by being old. Yeah, but I mean, all the way up was, was such a, it's just such a big song for uh, Remy Ma, who, you know, just jumping back into the scene. So, yeah. Cool. And, and this is where shit started to get crazy. Because hip-hop album of the year is next. We have Chance Coloring Book. We have Tribe Called Quest. We have Schoolboy Q, Blakeface LP, and Travis Scott, Birds in the Trap. When I say there were, there were write-ins on this shit. And <laughs> <laughs> the on your face that if there was one more write-in, the Corner Podcast Award for Hip-Hop Album of the Year would have gone to Kanye West. 
Oh, oh uh, yeah. yeah. I would have left the podcast. <laughs> Alas, Smarter Heads prevailed and Chance Coloring Book won. Yeah. But it was one vote away from a write-in. And we only got write-ins because Andreas Hell is Andreas Hell and he's hard-headed and he started the write-in shit when we were doing boxing and all that stuff. And people were like, oh, we can have write-ins? And I was like, sure. And Kanye almost took it. <laughs> Disgusting. The only other, the only, I mean, Chance, you know, for what the impact that he had this year, coloring book, yeah, definitely. But uh, Run the, the, the Jewels other, was so dope. So we yeah, created it, these awards before Run the Jewels even dropped. Yeah, that's that's the, always the problem with doing your year-end things before the year ends. Um, but, you know, the other album that I saw could have took it was Tribe's album. Tribe's album was phenomenal. So, um, as long as Kanye didn't win, I don't care. If Kanye would have won, <laughs> dude, come on. Um, now we have Best Non-Hip-Hop Album of the Year Award. We have Salon, Seat at the Table, um, Blink-182, California. Yes, I'm a Blink-182 fan. I don't care. I had to put it on the list. We had Childish Gambino, Awaken My Love, and K Tronada, 99.9%. Love that album. Um, sneakily, I didn't put that on there. Uh, someone brought it to my attention. And then I was like, yo, I, th- I was like, I think Andre has mentioned this album. And so yeah. I have to, yeah, I had to listen to it so I could make an honest assessment and vote. And the overwhelming favorite for this was Solange Seat at the Table. Um, no one wrote in Beyonce. So I didn't, I, we didn't have any Beyonce stands. No beehive people on the panel. Um, Solange Seat at the Table won it hands down. We had a write in for, um, oh man, Anderson Pox's album. Yeah, Malibu was very good, and uh, NX Warriors was amazing, too. Someone asked me how I didn't even put on the list of the four, and I said, I really like Blink-182. Don't judge me, bro. But So we had one, we had, uh, one write-in for it. But I, I guess I haven't listened to the Anderson Park album. It didn't make the cut. Oh, my God. You need to go back and listen to it. You need to listen to that in the NX Warriors album, which is Anderson Park and Knowledge, uh, his producer, which are both amazing albums. My favorite, probably favorite, favorite, like, Solange wins off an of impact for me because what she did, like she's like the prince to Beyonce's Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, but it's not in terms of the album that I listen to the most. Like it's either Kaytrinata or the King album. But that's just me. People don't know that much. You could have voted album. for the Kaytrinata. Where is your stuff? You didn't vote but, for. Them. No, I didn't. I think Solange still had the best album. Like, okay. It, when you talk about like when there's always a difference between what I play more to the best album gotcha. and Solange had like the best album with the most social impact and it was and it was great music like don't touch my hair is an amazing song um but yeah like the other albums I, I just i don't listen to i listen to a ton of hip-hop but there are so many other albums that could have made the list but it, eh, I, i'm not fine bad. With it. the right album one at the end of the yeah. day um knockout of the year switching back to the uh mma boxing wrestling categories knockout of the year we have for boxing, Lomachenko versus Martinez, Canelo versus Khan, Charlo versus Williams, and Joe Smith Jr. versus Bernard Hopkins. Who won? This is incredible because the winner was Joe Smith Jr. knocking Bernard Hopkins out of the ring. I'm actually not surprised by this. Is it, if you, I'm surprised. I didn't vote for it. I didn't vote for you know that to win, but. And just that image of Bernard not knowing where the hell he is, all four limbs in the air, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that, you know, could have, like, I thought the con, and I'm not even a big Canelo fan, but I think Canelo had the two best knockouts of the past two years. Um, knocking oh, out yeah. 
you know, uh, uh, James Kirkland the way he did, um, like he was crucified on the cross, and then knocking out Amir Khan the way he did. But those are guys he's supposed to knock out. Separated Smith, him from his soul, though. Yeah. Joe Smith was not supposed to knock out Bernard Hopkins. And then to knock him out of the ring? Yeah. I, I get it. The visual's just ridiculous for that. And this is why we have more people than just us vote, because we're the only two people to vote for Canelo Khan separating his soul. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Joe Smith wins that award. Um, knockout of the year, MMA. We have Rumble versus Glover Teixeira. Yair Rodriguez versus Andre Feely. Uh, Michael Bisping, Luke Rockhold. And we have um, MVP knocking and kneeing the hell out of Cyborg Santos. One. Yair Rodriguez was second, and that's who you voted for. Michael Bisping, Luke Rockhold gets number one. They take what? the award. Michael the Count Bisping. Yeah, no. Shock no. value wins out. I picked MVP. Yeah, MVP. I, I he crushed picked a man's MVP. skull. Yeah. And actually, you know, if I, <laughs> revising my vote, I pick MVP. Yeah, he threw a um, pokeball at him. <laughs> yeah. So either that, the, only, the only other thing that, that didn't make the, the list was the uh, Veneta's uh, spinning kick on, um, on uh, what's his name? Uh, McDessie. Oh, McDessie, um, yeah. That could have made the list. But, that was uh, dirty. This thing knocking out Rocco wasn't like that highlight. Like it was, it was shocking. Don't get me wrong, but I, it wasn't my number one knockout. It was shocking. Um, it was one punch power, which is key. Um, it's it was very close to the Verdum getting knocked out. Um, in his title fight, so I mean, th- both of those are just like it was shocking. More so than it looked dirty. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's hard to get that MVP knee crushing a guy's skull, especially seeing the images and the x-rays and everything. Yeah. It's hard to get that, but the count wins an award. Look it, man. 2016 is belongs to the count. We can't yeah, even stop sure. his momentum. It's, he's a man. Um, Fighter of the Year, MMA, is the next award. We have Conor McGregor. We have, this is funny because we did this once again prior to 207. We had Dominic Cruz, we had Cowboy Cerrone, and Michael Bisping. Knowing what we know now, Cody Garbrandt would take Dominic Cruz's spot, correct? Absolutely. Good. Neither of them won anyway. Um, Fighter of the year for last year was Conor McGregor. What does that say when he had a loss and Bisping did not? Well, there's two ways you could look at this. Bisping should have lost. He should have lost. <laughs> he should have lost twice. Anderson Silver yeah. knocked him out, and Henderson outpointed him. Yeah, a lot of people thought Dan Henderson beat him. Like he won, but did he really win? <laughs> Conor McGregor went up two weight classes and lost in ATS. Then came back and won in the fight of the year, and then came and then after that won a title in a completely different division by knocking out Eddie Alvarez. So it's. I mean, you could make the argument for Cody Garbrandt. You could make the argument for Amanda Nunez on this list, actually. Um, you could. If you, yeah, if we, if we had waited the whole time, we could yeah. definitely put Amanda on there. But, but Conor McGregor deserves this because of what he accomplished, and he dared to be great. Michael Bisping, just, he did his thing, and I, I love Bisping for doing his thing. But, yeah, he, he almost got killed in both of his fights. So. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's... He is the luckiest man of 2016. Yeah, like he, he's had a great run. I can't take that away from Bisping. I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's making money. Um, but, yeah, that's, that, Connor's just, 
his accomplishments this year and proving that, you know, not only is he, uh, you know, one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world, but he moves the needle like no other. So it's amazing. Um, fighter of the year in boxing is the next award. We have Carl Frampton, Vasil Lomachenko, Terrence Crawford, and Andre Ward as our four nominees and not very surprising to me, probably not surprising to others. I only got three votes on this. Um, <laughs> Because our list, I guess, is so obscure, right? Like, that says a lot about boxing. It does. Because people voted for the knockouts in boxing, and they remember those. But when it comes to fighter of the year, and they don't see Canelo, they don't see Pacquiao name, they don't see Triple G. Triple G didn't make the list. They don't see Mm -hmm. those names, and they don't vote. And, And these are your fighters of the year, but they're not your stars. Right. And so it's crazy. Um... With the win in this one, is, and I had to flip a coin because all three people voted for different things. So this is how we settle stuff on our award show. <coughs> Lomachenko wins. Fighter of the Year for the Corner Podcast Awards. Can't complain about it at all. Nope. Um, and my vote was for Lomachenko. We had your vote, so the people know, which was for Terrence Crawford, and we had one for Andre Ward. And which yeah, Andre it's, Ward it's, being it's, on the list... And granted, I go through, I do a lot of research. I put Andre Ward as a nominee. And I'm still not sold on that, that he had a better year than Triple G. Or than some other fight, or even than Canelo. Because he fought cupcakes, and then arguably, in my opinion, lost. Yeah, it's it's tough tough for me to put Andre on that list. It's it's wrong, Um, but Andre got a vote. But Lomachenko wins out. And to revise it, it would have been easier if I just would have voted like this the first time. I really thought about it. Lomachenko should have won that. I, I, I picked Terrence Crawford. Oh, um, the coin wins. The coin yeah. The coin knows best. But Terrence Crawford beat Hammered Hank Lundy and John Molina. And sandwiched in between that was against Victor Postal, um, which he pretty much wiped out, which is why I initially picked him. Then I go back and think. Lomachenko washed Nicholas Walters, barely was touched, and made him quit. An undefeated fighter quit at that. Um, and then I forgot how, how he did Rocky Martinez. I was at the he, Martinez fight. That's why I picked him. He crushed him. I, was, I mean, I, I was at both fights. He yeah. crushed Martinez in New York. And that's, that was a knockout of the year candidate. So, um, yeah, so the right man won. Lomachenko won. Um, WWE Wrestler of the Year. Our nominees, Kevin Owens. Charlotte, Just cut to the chase. Charlotte, There's no- AJ Styles, and Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> if it's not AJ Styles, I'm leaving the podcast. AJ Styles, runaway winner. Jesus, um, no- I couldn't even be. No one else received a vote, not even Shinsuke. Yeah. And Charlotte, How? in my opinion, who, if we had a separate category for female wrestler of the year, Charlotte would have won. Over Banks, yeah. over anyone. Charlotte, over Oscar and what she's doing in NXT, Charlotte was the best female performer in the company. She took her game and her heel work to the next level. But not one vote went against AJ Styles. No, there's no, I mean, dude, look at the year he had. You start off wrestling Nakamura and you end the year as the champ in WWE. Unbelievable. He's the best in the world. Yes, he is. So that, that was a runaway vote. Uh, all right, look at that. No suspense there. You just ended that whole thing. Indie Wrestler of the Year. Um, received a good amount of votes on this. It was all over the place. I have Kenny Omega, Okada, Broken Matt Hardy, Will Ospreay. You couldn't be broken, Matt Hardy. Who won? The Corner Podcast Award goes to Broken Matt Hardy. 
You gotta be fucking kidding. <laughs> Broken Matt Hardy wins the award. As a wrestler? As the indie wrestler of the year. That is utterly and I voted for Okada. Ridiculous. That, is, uh, that means these people don't watch enough indie wrestling. Okada had, had what is it, four matches that were over four and a half stars this year? Yeah. Two, two five stars, arguably, if you can Oh, I guess this counts as next year, right? So now he had a five. Um, and Dude, he had Ishii. He had Tanahashi. He had Marafuji twice at G1, <laughs> G1 and, and the follow-up. Yeah. Like, Matt Hardy didn't wrestle in a four-star match this year. That tells was, you the impact of the character he's created. Oh, my God. Well, I, I damn near could have put Maxon on the list, and Maxon may have gotten more votes than Okada. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> so, Andreas is up in arms with our own award show. Don't yeah, I am. There's <laughs> corruption, corruption, it's, it's collusion. Happen. This is collusion. Uh, dilapidated boat wins out all the time. Uh, biggest train wreck of 2016 award. And we only have two to go. So um, this is where we're getting a little crazy here. Biggest train wreck of 2016. We have Kanye West, John Jones, Donald Trump finally makes an appearance on our award show, and Paige from WWE. I mean, it has to be Kanye, right? This was close. Um, Paige received a vote. I'll let you know that. Wow. The person who received no votes was John Jones. So maybe he's not a train wreck like I may think. Hmm. No, Kanye, he's a train wreck. Kanye West wins our award for biggest train wreck of 2016, and that's above Donald Trump. Yeah. What does that okay. say about Kanye? That he's, a, that he's an absolute mess. He's something that we want to leave in 2016. Like, I still haven't finished writing my piece on Kanye that I started like two weeks ago because the holidays, but he's something I want to leave in 2016. Because we expected so much more out of Kanye. Donald Trump, we never had high expectations for. There wasn't a fall from grace. That's the key. There wasn't. We ex- we knew who he was coming in. Yeah, yeah. But Kanye, he definitely gets it. I mean, between the, the way he rolled out the life of Pablo to the album itself to checking into a psych ward to endorsing Trump, um, blonde hair, Kanye now. Yeah, it's just this song. Like he's it's, man, he needs help. <laughs> He, so, yeah. he needs a crazy amount of help right now. But while getting that help, he can carry around a Corner Podcast Award. Um, <laughs> last category, and it was actually one that should have been bumped up. I guess I skipped over it during our hip-hop section um, and our music section. But it's most overhyped song of 2016. This is one that I put in for the youngsters that were helping me with the voting. Uh, we have the Drum Kid Broccoli. I, I, don't, I still don't know who that is. Or am I supposed to pronounce it D R A M? No, it's Drum Big Baby Drum. Okay, cool. Drum, whatever. I'm not hip to that. Uh, Migos, Bad and Bougie. All right. Uh, 21 Savage, a song called X or 10. He said, a song called X. That yeah. means you know you're out of touch. Yo, I'm, I'm out of it. Uh, I don't listen to radio, my man. Um, and then Designer, every song he's ever made. Because I just, I just couldn't wheel it down. Um, most overhyped song of 2016, Designer, Panda to be specific, but throw Timmy Turner and the rest of that shit in there, might as well. Yeah, it's got to be the performances too. Like you watch those performances, you're like Jesus Christ, how's this man even here? It's cringeworthy, but it's amazing that the the youngsters actually like Migos, Bad and Bougie. They like Broccoli, so Designer isn't hip with young people. And he's not really liked by old people. 
I still don't yeah. know where he fits. Designer kind of jumped the shark. You know what? Like, Designer, I, I mean, it's a bad comparison because he hasn't reached that level yet. But when Flowrider, like, what Flowrider has become is what I felt like Designer is. Like, you feel like nobody that you know likes him, but somehow he's still here. Like, nobody, <laughs> that you, that, nobody that you know likes or owns a Flowrider album. Like, nobody. But somehow he's still doing, like, the WWE theme songs. He's got these hits. He's performing at New Year's Eve. And you're like, but who likes him? Designers going down that path. You don't. You have no idea who's buying a designer album or listening to Panda to this day, but it still exists. Even though Father Stretch My Hands Part Two, it's still super dope. It is, but but I attribute that to Kanye. Yeah, yeah. With, I, I attribute that to whoever wrote and produced for Kanye. So whatever. <laughs> Those are our awards. Um, shout out to everyone who helped me with the voting process. Took a little bit of time. I tallied everything up. A lot of the stuff went the way we thought it would. Some did not. It's nice to hear that we shocked Andreas by not voting Okada, the number one indie Ridiculous. wrestler of the year. Um, shout out to Broken Matt Hardy for taking the award home. He's getting Jesus. It's like Iggy Azalea Grammy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Those were the Corner Podcast Awards for this year. Thank you guys for listening to this show. We'll be back next week, a little earlier in the week, on Wednesday to deliver our show. Until then, though, make sure you follow us on all social medias. At the Corner LSN on everything. I'm at Kel Dansby on every platform. Yeah, come see me. Figure it out. <laughs> and until next week, we're out. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.